0: Romans chapter 2, verse number 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, I'm referring to his Jewish friends, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? I should read on through the rest of the chapter, but we'll stop right there. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we jump from this lily pad to others, that uh, we would be sustained by your leadership and ministry of the Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you'd touch our hearts and strengthen us as believers in Christ. We ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's assume... Uh, that's a reasonable assumption. Let's assume that we are here in the house of God this evening because we are all children of God. We're all saved people. We have been saved by grace, and our hearts yearn for fellowship with our Savior and with other believers, our brethren in Christ or members of this church. If that is true, then verse number 4 only applies to us as a matter of spiritual history. We were there, but we have, by the grace of God, uh, by the, the goodness of God, been brought to a place of repentance and faith. So we have been there. We're not there now. The Bible tells us that it was the goodness of God which led you to repentance. It was the goodness of God which led you to faith in Christ Jesus. It was the goodness of God which put up with your rebellion for all of those years before you were saved. It was the goodness of God, despite your horrible sins, which led him to love you and to draw you to him. It was the goodness of God. It was his goodness which perhaps led you down that very rocky road which uh, uh, reduced you to tears and blood and sorrow, total emptiness, surrender, and eventually to repentance in him. It was the goodness of God that brought thee to repentance. Now, in, in writing to his Jewish countrymen, Paul rebukes them for their pride And their inability to see the goodness of God in their lives. In the history of Israel. It was even worse than that. They didn't just not see the goodness of God. They scorned it. They laughed at it. They ridiculed it. The divine good patience and mercy of God. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? As for us, whether or not we were aware of it at the time, it was God's goodness which brought us to salvation. This evening, I'd like to take Paul's spirit-inspired, it's the holy word of God, I'd like to take Paul's words and take them in a slightly different direction, in fact, two different directions. I'm using uh, uh, my imagination-inspired thoughts, but I think they are in accord with the Word of God, and I have plenty of Scripture to share with you. I'd like to apply them to you and me who have already, by the goodness of God, been brought to repentance. The goodness of God led thee to repentance. And it is the goodness of God which should lead us to worship Him. Likely it's due to a lack of proper instruction, but most of us do not think often enough or highly enough of the goodness of God, just the simple goodness of God. Yes, God is holy. God is righteous. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. Jehovah is loving and he's gracious and he's merciful. I often remind you of uh, his omnipotence and his omniscience, that sort of thing. These are attributes that belong uniquely to God. Most Baptist theologians, I've got several of those books in that mighty library of mine that I was talking about last week. Most Baptist theologians attribute to God anywhere from a dozen to two dozen attributes, characteristics of God. But when they write of them, God's goodness is way down the list. His holiness is number one. I will say that over and over again. I won't change that. Uh, And then his omnipotence and so on and so forth. And his goodness is way down at the end of the list. Why is that? There are some attributes which are uniquely his own. Omniscience. We are never going to have omniscience. That belongs to the Lord. Sometimes he shares himself with us, enabling us to love and be merciful because we have been loved and we have received mercy. One of those transmittable attributes of the Savior is goodness. Goodness. We can be good people when we become like Christ. We become gooder and gooder the more like Christ we become. And it should be our constant desire to become more like the Savior. And as we do, those attributes of God become ours. He gives them to us. Not all of the attributes of of God will become ours, but some of them can be. In John Gill's major theology work, he has a commentary that goes through the Bible that we often refer to. He has a, a major theology, which he called a body of divinity. I don't know how many chapters are in it, quite a few. In this book that I have, it's large Uh, So it it doesn't compare with other books as far as size and that sort of thing. But chapter 16, way down the list. Chapter 16 begins with these words. Having treated of the love and the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of God, it will be proper to take some notice of his goodness from whence they all proceed For that God loves any of his creatures in the manner he does and bestows favor upon them, shows mercy to them, bears much with them, is owing to the goodness of his nature. He's merciful because he's good. He's gracious because he's good. He is kind because he is good and so on. So after studying uh, a number of other attributes, probably a dozen or more attributes, Gill says, oh and by the way, when any of these wonderful attributes touch sinful men, it was because God is first and foremost good. After studying the goodness of God, Let's just say I was blessed. At Sinai, when the Lord was beginning to reveal himself to Moses, remember Moses said, I, 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 don't, I don't know who to tell the people of Israel uh, who sent me. Tell me about yourself. When the Lord began to reveal himself to Moses, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God declared to Moses, You want to know who I am? Among these other things, I am the epitome of goodness. And what did the Lord Jesus tell the man who came to him saying, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Didn't Christ say, there's none good but God. No one is good unless God has permitted him to be good. There's only one source of goodness. It's God. David said in Psalm 86, For thou, Lord God, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto them that call upon thee. I like the way the Holy Spirit worded Exodus thirty-three, nineteen. This is to Moses. In essence, he defined a major part of the goodness of God. To Moses he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. God's goodness is seen in mercy. God's goodness is seen in grace. I will show all my goodness, and then he goes on to talk about grace and mercy, forgiveness. Then in Psalm 52, David said, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God continueth, endureth continually. And I'll add to that, that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I have read in many places, and I have read some rebuttals as well, so I won't emphasize this point too strongly, But Gill and others say that the early English word God was a contraction of an earlier word, good. Mm. I don't know if that's true. As they say, there are people on both sides of the fence. Like a lot of blasphemy is used throughout the years, good God is basically a Reality. God is good. And referring to John Gill one more time before I leave him. Gill used the word diffusive when talking about the goodness of God. Diffusive. What he meant that what he meant was that the goodness of God has been diffused throughout his creation it's that kind of attribute and this reality should lead us to worship him thank you lord for saving my soul thank you lord for making me whole your salvation from the judgment of your sin flows out of god's goodness through his grace through his mercy through the blood er, the blood of the cross But it starts with the goodness of God. It was God's goodness which led you to repentance. Therefore, there is an excellent reason to bow your knee before Him. If you're saved, then you owe a lot to the goodness of God. Worship Him for that goodness. Share with him your love for that goodness. Praise his name. We need to praise God for the ministry of the good shepherd. God is good. In fact, when you think about it, if God was not good, he would not be God. If we worship him because we have tasted of his mercy, we should also worship him because he is good. Goodness is as essential and elemental to the Lord as is his omnipotence and his eternality. Just as much a part of God as these major things is this thing we don't consider very often. Jehovah is infinitely good. He is as infinitely good as his understanding and knowledge are infinite. He is unchangingly good. He is immutably and eternally good. I read somewhere that the goodness of God is like an ocean without banks and without bottom. And as God was infinitely powerful before creating... Before displaying his power, he has always been good before any sinner ever tasted of his goodness. It's just a part of who he is. God is good. These are aspects of the Lord and aspects of his relationship to us which should draw our awe and our reverence and our worship. God is good. And in turn, each of these should be a part of our worship, our awe, our reverence, and so on. The goodness of God leadeth thee to worship. And God's goodness also leadeth us to greater faith, to trust Him. Here's a very silly illustration. If you need to rebuke me, you can. If you need to forgive me, I'll let you do that. If my wife was going off to a woman's retreat in Oklahoma, I would have no fear of her misbehaving while she was there. I would trust her to listen to the messages, learn from those messages, to grow in Christ, to keep herself holy while she was there, and to return to me. I trust her because I know she loves me And that she, by God's grace, is a good person. Yes, there are none good in his or her own fallen nature. But goodness, as I say, is one of those attributes that the Lord shares with others. Like love, our ability to love. Our graciousness, because he has been gracious to us. Goodness is another one of those communicable attributes of the Lord. Because Judy is good, I trust her. And returning to the Lord, we can trust him as well. Because he is infinitely and immutably good, we can trust him. He will not let us down He will not deny his own nature. I've told you before, maybe it's been a while, maybe some of you haven't heard this before. For several months while I was pastoring in Calgary, I ministered every week to a man in a tuberculosis hospital. It was called a sanatorium in those days. It was the Baker Sanatorium. Through the centuries, tuberculosis formerly called Consumption, killed far more numbers than COVID ever did. Longer stretch of time, of course. Week after week, I went to that restricted facility to encourage and witness to a man with the unforgettable name of Pearly Hill. That was his name? Pearly Hill. Uh, I did so without any fear. I was on the Lord's errand. First, uh, I took the ordinary precautions, washing my hands, and I was in good health myself, so there was no immune problems there. But before that, I would enter that fortress like building without fear because of the goodness of God. He led me to trust Him for protection. And the Lord is good. If the Lord wanted me to be in that place, then only what the Lord wants to happen is going to happen. And if Pearly Hill was in fact dying, the goodness of God propelled me to continue my witness to Him in this place. I could trust God to take care of me. If the Lord stripped you of your life savings... Forcing you to live from day to day, trusting him for your care, the Lord's goodness should ease your mind. Isn't this what Elijah did at the brook Cherith? The goodness of God sent ravens with fresh food to the prophet's needs. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely with him? Give us all these things. He's good. He's good. The Lord is good, not bad. And that goodness should lead us to trust in him. Ah, but this pain is racking my body. And macular degeneration is stealing away my sight. I'm going through all of these problems. And my dog died. Oh, woe is me. Is the Lord still good? Things like this are not the eyeglasses through which we should try to perceive the nature of God or the goodness of God. It could very well be that there were a plague of rabid bats coming in your direction and poor doggies out there in the backyard and he died before... Getting rabies, which he would have given to you. Granted, some of my illustrations are out there, (laughs) my (laughs) time. If blindness gives us more time to concentrate on and meditate on God's goodness, then our blindness is good. And if our physical pain Reminds us that there are heavenly, spiritual, eternal blessings yet to come. Then our pain is is good. Everything the Lord does is good. Whether we see it that way or not. It is good. God is sovereign. And God is good. Always. Concluding where we began with Paul's statement about the goodness of the Lord leading to repentance, not only had God been convicting, punishing, teaching, leading Israel for many painful centuries, but Babylonian captivity, Roman occupation, and Palestinian Hamas terrorists are nothing to what is going to happen during the tribulation, Israel. Wake up. Wake up. Despisest thou the goodness of God? You think it's bad now? It's been great to this point. It's to be it's to bring you to repentance. Psalm 34:8 exhorts us. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him.